Making money in optometry is not as hard as you think. You just have to be diligent about making changes every single day in your practice. One of the things I always tell new staff members when they join Brill Eye Center is, do you like change? If they say no, I tell them, you know, this probably is not the place for you because we change protocols, programs, products, pricing every single week. And that's what's fun about optometry and, and small business is that we can change, we can control our destiny, and that makes us money in life. On today's podcast, I'm actually being interviewed by another podcast. It's my friends at Defocus Media Podcast. Dr. Daryl Glover is the host of the show, and another guest is Dr. Adam Ramsey, two other optometrists. Well, I'm not an optometrist. I feel like I am sometimes, though, because I have such a deep uh, love for the profession. Anyways, they are interviewing me. I'm going to tell you how to amplify your practice profits. And I tell you a lot of the stuff that I talk about in my iRocket Consulting. My consulting business is all about practice growth. I don't care about what happened in the past. All we can do is move forward. If you're interested in learning about my consulting business, it's iRocket.com, E-Y-E-R-O-C-K-I-T.com. Uh, I've already had a, f a few great clients and a few booked into the future here, but um, you're going to pick up some pearls of wisdom, just how to make money. I'm going to give you website tools, uh, production tools, and just you're going to get a glimpse into my brain. Enjoy the podcast. Make some money, baby. Welcome to Entrepreneur, the podcast for Wizards of Eyes. I'm Dr. Raymond Brill with my co-host, Harry Brill, and we're here to bring you stories about Wizards of Eyes. Yes, what is a wizard, Dr. Brill? These are folks that you may have heard about, may not have heard about. These are people who are actually very successful in doing what they do in all aspects of eye care. We're not talking to self-proclaimed industry geniuses, experts, masters, or gurus because we're talking to wizards of eyes that make it happen each and every day. They are out there working every day in the labs, on the road, in the practices, in surgery suites, making lenses, making frames. Yes, we want to hear these back-of-the-house stories about innovation, entrepreneurship, and make you feel excited to do what you do. We want you to be energized about the whole eye care field. And this is not your big optical program. This is done out of the passion of our hearts. Please go ahead and subscribe to Entrepreneur, the podcast for Wizards of Eyes on iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, or your favorite app. Also, visit entrepreneur.com where you'll find our latest blogs and special video content. That's www.eyetreprenew.com. Today's guest is very special. And this podcast, this interview is perfect timing because we all know the landscape of optometry is changing. And it's just due to COVID-19. But with this COVID-19, it's really opened up a lot of holes in our practices that we didn't really know about. So today we're going to talk about how we can amplify your practice profits with the one and only Mr. Perry Brill. How are you doing today, sir? I'm doing excellent here. So cloudy day. I'm kind of anxious to go exercise. I've been missing the gym. I don't know about you guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I've actually, since we've been in this COVID-19 state, I've actually been walking more. I have my dumbbells. So I've been hitting those. I was just telling yeah. Dr. Ramsey, prior to you coming on, that uh, my wife was looking at me and, you know, I'm getting my sexy back. So I'm feeling great. <laughs> <man>. <laughs> I've even changed my eating habits. I wasn't eating crazy before, but, um, you know, I'm, my, my, my mother's African. My, my wife is African. We like, you know, some of the not healthiest foods out there. So, you know, it's all about moderation. So I'm living that life right now, man. <laughs> I know. I saw, Dr. Ramsey, I saw you're looking for a, uh, a venue. Yeah, and, uh, we want to have it outside. I, you know, I like to eat, so I agree. <laughs> I, I, listen, man, I, the food is important, man. Some of these places they they give you a caterer list, and it's it, it's like nah, nah, nah. You don't know what I like. You can't you can't make the food right. Right. <laughs> I know that's right. Well, again, you guys, today we're going to talk about how you can amplify your practice profits with uh, Perry Brill. Um, Perry, before we get started, man, let's just talk about you. I mean, who are you? Where are you from? How did you get into the eye care industry? Let's educate the listeners about your background. 
Right. My name's Perry. Um, from Shawnee, Kansas, a nice suburb in uh, the Kansas City area, and uh, went to the University of Kansas, um, have a degree in environmental studies. However, um, I needed a job and uh, for beer money, you know, and, and food like most of us. Uh, luckily, I had a good dad who paid my tuition. And so I decided to work in a, in a private practice out there, Lawrence Family Vision Clinic, four doctors, I think 60 years in business, and uh, had really good education. And who would ever knew um, that I liked eyewear and I liked eye care? So that was the beginning. And then um, I ended up joining my dad's practice, Brutal Eye Center, who has been my mentor, 40-year practice. And I've enjoyed connecting with people like you who are smart and innovative. And um, now I'm just enjoying giving good advice, hopefully. Yeah. You know, um, I I am a avid reader, avid fan of your Facebook page that you have. And I just love the dialogue and the energy that you create when it comes to just talking about private practice and how to just increase your profits in general. So, you know, I was just thinking it's just the, uh, the best time to really elevate your platform and talk about it because you have some great stuff, man. I mean, you are really changing the game in regards to how some optometrists think. Even Dr. Adam Ramsey and I, we sit down and we have these conversations and, you know, your name pops up uh, uh, frequently in these conversations about some of the cool things that you're bringing to the eye care industry. I, pre I appreciate it. Yeah, you know, my goal is really, some people may like the things we say or not like the same things we say, but as long as we can get people to start thinking and executing, we can give great advice all day long, but until someone executes and, and spends a dollar, nothing's going to happen. So, Gotcha, gotcha. Well, those that are watching right now, um, Dr. Ramsey is with us. He will be in and out because he's actually in patient care. Uh, so we see him disappear. It's not because he doesn't like us. It's because, you know, he's working. He's back in the mix right now. But uh, Perry and I definitely hold it down, all right? <laughs> now, one thing I give Perry is that he is switching it up. And I hate the talking heads that only say the same thing all the time. And it gives you nothing new. And he takes a lot of creativity from areas outside of eye care and brings it in and tries to infuse it. And uh, from what I've seen, he's walking the walk and, you know, talking the talk. And uh, I love it. You know, Perry uh, and his dad dropped something. They know I'm buying it first. I put my money down. I put my money where my mouth is. They're like, hey, you should do this. It's later. I'm showing the receipts. I'm like, I did it. Now, what's, what's next? Let's go. So <laughs> I love it. That's why even though I have patient care uh, today, I had to get on this uh, to get a little bit of nuggets. And uh, I will have to dip out because, uh, I had a patient emergency, but I'm a, we're we going to ride. Let's go. Yeah, and I think you're right, Dr. Ramsey. You are, I mean, I don't know how many pieces of equipment you've bought during COVID, but <laughs> still progressing uh, and, and not thinking about the doom and gloom side, which is refreshing to hear. No, I'm ready. To, I'm ready to I'm, I'm about to make it out of this. Let somebody else worry about that. Let's go. So, Perry, I really <laughs> want to touch on something. Um, big box versus independent box. You know, you are a big guy that the hell with the big box companies. Let's keep it independent and keeping it moving. Just keeping it real. Me, on the other no. hand, I am a big box guy, but I'm also an independent box guy. So I'm kind of like that hybrid and mixture of both. I see pros and cons of both. My ultimate goal is just to make sure that we have eye care available for all the people in the world. That way they can see better and live longer as well. If you don't mind just giving us an overview on, you know, how you got this perspective of it's more of an independent box uh, love rather than that big box. And correct me if I'm wrong in regards to anything that I stated. Right. So you're right. I do take a stance in um, optometry and optical. Um, I'm an independent guy. I like my, my freedoms. And you know, I always say, if you don't take a stance, you have no stance at all. So I can't support both sides necessarily. Um, so I, I try to stick up for the independents and give them a voice. And as far as care goes, though, for patients, the number one thing is providing professional care and in a warm, friendly environment at reasonable fees. And if we can do that on the big box side or the independent side, I think that's the most important thing. I hate price gouging. And I think price gouging occurs in healthcare way too much. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you bring up some great points. Uh, Dr. Ramsey, what's your, your feedback in regards to big box versus small box companies out there? Because you're a man that has a private practice, you're crushing it, and I know you use certain lens products and you use other products that are independent. Like, let's talk about it, man. Let's, let's really dive deep into this. I feel like practice owners need to do what's best for them. And sometimes going with the big conglomerates gives me as a practice owner more access to the products that I may not have access to in other places. 
And sometimes I get a better deal or better value going with the big box person. And then other times the independent may be cutting edge and find a way to get me uh, better margins, better cost of goods, um, and uh, different cool, unique ideas that a big ship may not be able to implement as quickly and as easily because it's a big conglomerate. So I think at the end of the day, practice owners need to look out for them because other businesses are looking out for themselves. And somebody's coming at you trying to sell your product, realize that they're doing it in their best interest. No matter what they say, it is in their best interest. Now you have to figure out from that conversation how you have mutual and symbiotic relationships. How we can both benefit from this exchange. Um, a lot of times the other businesses benefit the most because they know you're at, you're at a negotiating table. You have We're doing a contract and a deal between me and you that I buy your product and I sell it over here. They are trying to get the best out of that deal for themselves as best as possible. And I think more business owners really need to understand that it's not personal, it's strictly business. Until I sign, until I do something, we're just still negotiating. So I think there is a space and a time and a place for any company to come into my office or anybody else's office. Because uh, even an independent can screw you over. They have small companies that go under and don't take care of their people. They don't answer the phone. So just being independent but not being a part of the, 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 uh, the big three is not the only answer. You know what I mean? And sometimes the ones that lost out, they also bid for those big contracts with Walmart and Warby Parker. They just lost. <laughs> they come to me and say, well, we don't also do X, Y, and Z. Well, actually, you put in a bid, and you would have. If you got the contract, you would have sold me out to. <laughs> they offered you to, to buy 100,000 of your frames, you would have sold it to. They just didn't want to buy your frames. So let's not act as if you're on this high and mighty and you're, you know, you're, you're baby Jesus over there. No, you just didn't win the, 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 the argument. So offices need to do what's best for them and make sure they understand the, the rules exchange between companies. Yeah, I think it's really just it's really important you understand the organizations you work in. So, um, you know, if you work in a 20 um, location private practice, you need to understand the morals and ethics. If you work in a, a thousand practice chain, you also need to understand the organization and believe in it. And that's really the most important part. So I'm not anti, but I do, I do stick up for independence because that's who um, I choose to support. Awesome. Well, it looks like we got a comment from um, one of our viewers, Stephen, uh, Steve Davis, just stating great information and thanks so much. And it looks like there's another one here. Uh, looks like, Adam, you're preaching the gospel. Everyone's saying, yes, Adam, round of applause. Nothing that's new. We always know Adam has all the answers, as I mentioned at the top I of the podcast. I have all the answers. I <laughs> steal them from Perry. I listen to his podcast every time they post it, and then I steal it, and I sometimes give him credit. <laughs> <laughs> that, uh, that information that you two gentlemen just touched on is really setting us up for our show today. Again, you know, the main point of this podcast and this interview is to really amplify your practice profits. And Perry Brill has come out with a, a company known as iRocket, a consulting company. And if you don't mind, Perry, just give us an overview of what this business is about. And then what I'd like to do is actually go through some of the steps that you've actually implemented into this consulting company as well. Right. So uh, I, I really took everything I learned in eight years of working at Brill Eye Center, still right there. and um, you know, we're one doctor, you know, we've really became a lean practice. We know operationally what to do. And if we can do something with fewer employees, it, that's better because too much, too much staff and things get chaotic. So we've systematized the office uh, using processes and, and a lot of software to make sales. So what iRocket does is I'm all about speed. So uh, Gary Vee is one of the people I really follow online. Uh, a little less now because, you know, he's very repetitious, but he's all about speed. It doesn't have to be perfect, but if we can implement change in practice super fast, test it out, and then get rid of what doesn't work, uh, that's what iRocket does. Yeah, awesome, awesome. Well, let's dive into the, to the meat of it. I mean, let's, let's start from the beginning. Um, in regards to someone that comes to you for services, um, let's take it from step one. I know you talk to them through a series of lists. You have like a checklist of what? 170 various things that you touch on? Yeah, so I have a checklist online. It's 137 points. And whether you're paying for my services or not, you can just go online and look at it. 
but it just tells you 137 clever ideas that you should check in your practice. That could be, let me give you an example. When you call, when a patient calls, let's say it's a mom, and she schedules an eye exam for herself, are you asking, well, hi, Judy, you have kids that we could schedule for also. So just by asking that question, you went from having one appointment to four appointments. So a lot of the stuff we do is um, be really simple to, to gain appointments. And I actually stole that line. When you call Silhouette for eyeglasses, they, they say, and what else can I get you? And you're thinking, well, dang, maybe I'll get color blue and red in addition to the normal one I got. Yeah. You know, that's I, I love that because even being an optometrist prescribing from the chair, you know, the first thing I do whenever I see a patient, I have something that I call a two minute drill, where basically I don't talk about anything eye care related. I get to know my patient. And by that, at the end of that two minutes, five minutes, however long it takes, I know that they have a son, a daughter, yes. a significant other. And by the end of the exam, I know to educate that patient that, hey, you know what? Let's go ahead and get so-and-so in for the routine eye exam. They play baseball. We definitely need to educate them about daily contact lenses and some type of sunglasses as well. So I'm already planting that seed, but I'm taking all that information by just utilizing the, the resource that's right in front of me. So I'm with you on that. I mean, that makes a big difference in regards to the Simple stuff. Uh, other stuff as far as checklists go is when's the last time you checked your credit card rates? Did you know by simply calling your current vendor and showing them a competitive rate, they'll match it. And right away, in, in 20 minutes, you could save 500 bucks. Oh, wow. Multiply that $500 by five years. And that's twenty five hundred bucks. That's a vacation to Nigeria. <laughs> I'm trying to go there. I'm trying. <laughs> that's true, man. I mean, that's that's a great way of thinking. So let's go through these steps, man. Let's start with step number one. Um, crush your eyewear cells. If you don't mind elaborating on that, and I love to get Dr. Adam Ramsey's opinion about this because I know he's like me. He loves eyewear, and I know he's killing it down there because everyone that walks through his door gets a pair of glasses with anti-reflective coating, blue light protection. Uh, photochromic lenses, you name it, all the bells and whistles. So number one with, with crush eyewear sales, um, I would start with pricing. If patients aren't complaining about pricing, you're charging too little. You want that little friction. That means, okay, I'm, I'm kind of getting them a little upset, but they're still buying. Um, so that's number one I'd start with. Test your pricing out. It might be a 2.7 markup or it might be a 3.8. You don't know. Next thing I would recommend on crutch eyewear sales is you got to sit the patient down. You can't have them roaming around, looking at the board, looking like they're looking for the best barbecue at your grocery store. <laughs> I could go for some barbecue, by the way. Oh, you tell them, man. You know, North Carolina is a home with the best barbecue. I know that could start some conflict out here, so we'll leave that alone. <laughs> You're mustard-based, right? Uh, I think, is it, it's mustard or vinegar? One or two, I don't know, but I just know it's, it's bomb. It's good. Mix mustard and vinegar. excited. Yeah, mustard and vinegar is about the same, and tomato base is the separate one. So you're, it, it's mustard. Okay, so probably that. Yeah, yeah the city style is tomato. But yeah. anyway, if you sit the patient down, we become the professional. So it allows us to control what inventory that we're selecting from our frame boards. And you have to slow people down. When people visit my eye doctor or um, Socialite Vision, they've made a choice. And in their head, they're already thinking, hmm. I know, you know, Dr. Jones down the street also has nice eyeglasses or XYZ Cheapo website has glasses. So they're already thinking about going somewhere else. But when you sit them down, they become comfortable and give them a bottle of water. The simplest things are a treat for people. Yeah. I mean, you, you, you hit the money on the head. I mean, during this COVID-19 process, uh, we've had some patients that come in that are urgent, emergent patients, and it turned into refractive care. And having that only patient in the office and then sitting them down and actually finding some frames and bringing it to them, they were at ease and they just were ready to buy and spend. And it feels like with this process, it's actually elevated the uh, overall capture rate as well. So I'm with you on that. What's yeah. your exposure, Dr. Ramsey? Um, I would say to crush eyewear sales, you really need to find out the need of the patient. Because if you meet the need with what you can supply, you are not selling the patient anything. You are then just providing what they came in asking for. So what I like to start out the conversation with is what brought you in today? What's mm -hmm. going on? Then at the end, I am making my, I am prescribing and saying, you said that you had difficulty on the computer. And when you stare at the computer for extended periods, you get a headache. 
So I am prescribing you an anti-fatigue lens to go along with this to solve the problem that you told me you had. Then yeah. when they bought in the optical, the, the optician doesn't have to sell them anything. They are then asking the optician, hey, I need this to solve the problem that I have. When you do that, your sales will go up because you're meeting a need, not because we are pushy, not because we're excessively sales, anything. You are then giving the patient the solution that they came in for. Because if not, they may go out and say, well, that's an add-on, that's add-on, they don't want it. Then they got it. That doesn't actually solve their needs. So they wear the glasses on the computer, and all of a sudden now it's not any better. Yeah. And if it isn't any better, then it was a waste of money. So I would have rather you spend $50 or $100 more and solve the need than save $50 or $100 and then just wasted the 200 that you spent on a product that isn't solving your core problem or what you came in for. So to crush eyewear sales, I would tell any, any provider, optician, or uh, optometrist to find out the patient's need and match that need with what you're prescribing or what you're offering to the patient and back it up in the conversation. Say, I am giving you this photochromic because you said you were light sensitive and I yeah. chose extra active because you said that I, you know, behind the windshield of the car matters or I'm a car salesman and I have a glass door right next to my face. So I would rather have Absolutely. this. I don't want to wear sunglasses indoors, stuff like that. And then all of a sudden Absolutely. you're not selling anything. Yeah. I, I mean, mean, that's the key, man. Prescribing from the chair. I mean, that's basically what you're talking about and all the optometrists that are successful and that's great basically do that. That goes back to that two-minute drill that I touched on. Getting to know the patient, knowing what they're doing for a living, understanding their lifestyle, being able to take that information from that exam room and transfer that power over to the optician or the eyewear consultant. That way that you can have that loyalty from the patient, but also increase that bottom line and sell indirectly is what I call it, because you're just solving a problem, as you had mentioned before. Harry, you were going to say something. I have one more thing to add, then we can uh, move on to patient collections. Yeah. If you're up you know, some opticians or, or doctors are maybe a little more introverted and they don't know how to get into the conversation about glasses. One question I like to ask is, what do or don't you like about your current glasses? And they're going to tell you, they fall down, it's turning green, and they make me look ugly. Something like that. Well, right away, you're like, bing, 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 we'll get you a lightweight frame, it's going to fit your bridge, and then you've already answered all the objectives. Absolutely. Great point. I'm going to have to add that one to my, ro my roster of questions there. I'm interrupting this podcast to say, if you're loving Entrepreneur Podcast, please go ahead, give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever you are listening to so other optometry, optical people can find this and get the education they need. Back to the podcast. Um, let's take it to number two, Crush Patient Collections. I'm going to let you two t uh, discuss this because this is your world. I'm in corporate, so I don't really have to touch on this. <laughs> All right. For me, you got to be a relentless dealer. You want to be known as that business who you hammer them for the money because uh, if you don't, they're going to take advantage of you every single year. They need to know that bill when their deductible is going to come into to their mailbox in 30 days and you're going to collect. If patients aren't paying you, they don't they shouldn't belong to your practice. Um, let someone else deal with that headache. How are you on billing? Are you are you tough? Are you softy, Dr. Ramsey? Uh, I I like to collect up front. Um, okay. Try not to do the back end stuff. So we do. We know we we don't do half half fifty percent on glasses. We require hundred percent payment, right. and we order. Uh, you could put down fifty percent, but I don't. I don't order it until you pay everything because because up until then you can come and get all your money back. I have no problems. I have no issues. Uh, the second I order it, you're not getting anything back. So. I would do, I do 100% collection up front. Now, sometimes with medical billing and stuff like that, you don't have a choice um, yeah. to submit um, and then hope you get it right. But we try our darndest to, to, to collect up front and then, uh, and then, and then send them a bill. We've, we've done pretty well with uh, patient paying us and uh, when they get the bill in the mail um, and then we just put it on file. So when they call or they make the next appointment, uh, they have to pay before they can be seen. So um, I don't send as many bills in the mail uh, I try to collect as much up front, and then the next year when they come up, they know, oh, yeah, I did get that in the mail. Okay, you owe us $87, and then we just tack that on the other one. I've done it that way. I probably could get the money sooner if I used uh, Perry's method. Um, I, have not, I have not done that. Um, I, 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 maybe I need to be a little bit more of a pit bull. Or, you know, I think 
collecting on glasses is easier. And I like what you said, Dr. Ramsey, when you're an optician and you're asking for the money, what you say is, and how would you like to settle your bill today? Don't give them the option. Don't say, well, you know, you could do 50% if you wanted, yeah. you know, after the whole money, people are prepared to pay something. And if they, if they balk at it, then you can be the nice guy or gal and offer them, you know, half down. Well, before we move to the next one, I want to ask you this, Perry, being that you're consulting with these uh, different eye care practices, you know, we have patients that come in like this, and I know you were running into some clients like this. Some people always got an excuse in regards to what you asked them. What kind of feedback or kickback are you getting people when they're talking about um, how they're collecting their their payment, uh, their patient collections? I mean, are they saying that, oh, I'm never could do that. My patients will leave my practice and they'll never come back. I mean, what kind of feedback are you getting in regards to that kickback when people, when you ask folks those questions? Right. You know, so deductibles are a major problem in the whole healthcare industry right now. $6,000, $10,000 deductibles. I mean, if you're a healthy guy or, or girl, you're never going to reach that amount unless you have a catastrophic hospitalization, cancer, breaking a leg or something like that. So I think it goes into prep work. I would say to that optometrist, look, you have to prepare the patients when they walk in. Mr. Jones, your deductible, you have not met it. So you are going to owe before your visit, call them a day ahead of time or greet them at the front desk and um, walk them through it. Don't make the deductible something scary. Just say, you know, I didn't know what a deductible was until, you know, five years ago when I got a bill for an MRI. And I'm thinking, what the heck? Now, I, I, I'll give you a little secret that I got from somebody else. Not Perry this one. I'm not stealing this one from Perry. Um, that uh, I know people that they don't see Medicare patients the first quarter. So they push their annuals for Medicare patients out um, first quarter, or if they do see them in the first quarter, they don't bill it. So I know a guy that holds it. You can hold Medicare's for up to six months. So yes. you hold that Medicare bill, and if you know they haven't met it, let them meet it at the dermatologist. Let them meet it somewhere else so you're not the bad guy. And then they submit it three months later, and then let Medicare pay them. So they still charge them for the refraction the day of the visit, but they either encourage medicare people to come in the summer or the fall or they hold the claims and then submit it later that way you don't have to be the bad guy because in optometry and in eye care we're always trying to be the good guy we never want to be the bad guy <laughs> so um that's one way especially with medicare that you can you can do that and just collect the 20 percent if they don't have uh coinsurance or they don't have a secondary um and that way somebody the dermatologist can be the bad guy instead of uh instead of you uh, yeah. that, one, that can work as well. I like that. If you don't have cash flow problems, that's a great, great system. Uh, the last tidbit I'll add is automation. A lot of softwares have integrations with uh, billing um, uh, insurance software. You can click a button and in one button, you can send 300 statements out and they, they print it, mail it and do everything for you. So don't okay. pay a staff member to sit there and print 300 bills, fold it, stamp it. Those are laborious things that my dad forced me to do as a kid. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. What what did your dad force you to do, uh, Dr. Glover? Man, it was crazy when I was younger. I mean, now that I look at it, I'm thankful for it. But I remember when I was younger, he would always have me doing all types of work, whether it was working on the car, which I don't know anything from that. But most importantly, you know, trying to earn some money. So like, I know when I was younger, I went to the barbershop. I had to pick up the hair, earn some money then. I also yeah. made flyers for the barbershop. So when I go, I'll give them to the head barber and he'll pass them out or I'll pass them out. And, you know, he would just make me stick to the studies and things of that nature. So the whole time while I was growing up, I didn't realize that I was becoming an entrepreneur. But those little things in my youth actually made me who I am today. Um, so, you know, that, that, that's the Daryl Glover story in a, in a nutshell. How about yeah, you, Dr. Yeah. Ramsey? Um, I didn't have as many of those. My dad does a lot of consulting and stuff like that. So his stuff was on the computer. So I didn't, uh, I didn't really get that. Uh, you have to do this. My mom, you know, it was more like clean the bathroom, uh, clean up around the house. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't have that. Um, and I, I and, and so now my stuff is mainly just trying to figure, figure my stuff out, man. I haven't, I don't, I don't, I don't have those stories, but my kid, you know, my wife's pregnant now. So my kid will be doing some work back here. This edge of that, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, they're going to be cutting lenses on that thing for years to come i'll give i'll give everybody a little tip go to billflash.com i don't have any financial incentive here but billflash.com they will mail and print your statements 
and uh, super easy. Sweet. Bill Flash, you guys. Looks like we had a, a comment there from uh, Dr. May, the uh, Voodie down in Texas. Great idea. It's actually one of my colleagues that went to optometry school. Shout out to May. We had a blast in school. Uh, let's move to the next one, man. So we've done what? Crush eyewear sales, crush patient collections. This is one that is going to be dear to everyone. Lower all costs of goods and services. Who wants to take it? I think Dr. Ramsey, why don't you start? You're a hard negotiator. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, I just bought an Azure, so it's getting installed as we speak. The guy is actually doing the plumbing like right now, and uh, that's controlling your pipeline. So controlling where you're buying your frames, controlling where you're buying your lenses, doing what you can. I think uh, controlling your cost of goods is making sure you're giving a good value to the patient, but you're also uh, making sure that you're buying it from the right sources. Um, and then the more you do it on your own and the less you rely on somebody else to do, increases your cost. I mean, it reduces your cost. So uh, with the that I'm installing that, like I said, I'm giving credit to Perry. I've, I've been thinking about it for a while, but then they, they did a, they did a thing on uh, edging in-house and everything. And I was like, screw it. I can't, I can't watch another webinar. <laughs> I need to get an edger and I didn't get it. So I just went ahead and pulled, pulled the trigger on it. And I, I'm, I'm really excited with the numbers we're seeing now. It should be better. And we're going to be passing that savings on to the patient as well. So I'm, I'm excited about that. But I think you need to be a pit bull about your numbers. And I think a lot of providers actually don't know their cost of goods. They couldn't tell you the number off the top of their head. They couldn't tell you what they pay for a lens. They couldn't tell you what they pay for a frame. And I think the more you're ingrained into your business and you know everything, you can control it. But you can't control it if you don't know. You need to actually, I should be able to ask you, how much is the progressive? How much do you pay for photochromics? And if you can't tell me that answer, uh, then there's no way you can control it because you don't know enough numbers. Right. I think when it comes to controlling your cost of goods, you got to be, I don't have a good word for it, um, baldy, or I don't know what the term, the right term to be, but that's my term. So I'll give you, <laughs> I was at Vision Expo East or West, I can't remember, a year ago, and I was with my friend, Dr. Alan Panzer out of Houston, Houston Dry Clinic, and we, we wanted to buy the Luminous M22 IPL machine. And I, we've been talking to Luminous for a while, the relationship was there, and I just went up to him and said, look, I'm here, Dr. Panzer's here. We both want a machine. How about 50K for, uh, for both of us, or 50K? And I said, we're going to do a little group buy. Take it or leave it. And you know what? We took it. What, what was the list price? I think the list price was like 55. Okay. So you just have to ask. Don't be afraid. The worst that you'll happen is say no, and you'll yeah. find some middle ground. Yeah. We so did the same thing. Another thing I do is, okay, Vision Source has the best pricing. I mean, they just do. They negotiated really hard. And it's what I like to do is say, what's the Vision Source pricing? I'll take that. And scream <laughs> the eye. And come on, you want to make the sale. This company doesn't want to lose it. So uh, yeah. So I, what I've noticed is that you can you can beat even vision source pricing with group purchasing. So yeah. individual sales, you're gonna have to, you're gonna either have to really be a big volume or a big customer or put cash or, you know, a lot of that kind of stuff to get the, to get a very big differentiator from the list price. But if you go in with group sales and you'd say, Hey, we're going to like right now, we, we bought three edgers, not me, but me and two other doctors bought three edgers at the same time and signed on the same day. We got a phenomenal deal. <laughs> if I did it by myself, I don't think I would have gotten that differentiated between list price and what we ended up paying. So buying groups are a good way to help control your costs. And that will give you, if you're, if you're terrible at negotiating, then you, you need to buy a group. If, you, yeah. if, you're, if you're good at negotiating, buying groups help for everyday items, but big ticket items. So anything over $10,000 and above, group purchasing is the way I would tell you to go about doing it because those are sales you don't do regularly and they're one-time purchases. So if you go in and you have a couple of doctors and they buy three, four, 10 of an item, the more people you buy, the lower your price would be, and the better you can do as far as your margins um, I like and stuff like that. I like how you said that. Um, home use products, like uh, I buy a lot of uh, Retain MGD from Akisoft and some other goods from them for dry eye care. I get free shipping through uh, you know, PECA, and that free shipping is really important because some of those things like hypochlor are heavy. It's liquid. Mm -hmm. so I can save 100 bucks per shipment there, um, but you're right. If you're buying capital equipment over ten grand, uh, you can negotiate by yourself without groups. So, yeah. Well, we got a few comments here. We got one from the famous 
Dr. Brill, proud of my son and our collaboration through Entrepreneur. Shout out to Dr. Brill for doing some amazing things and being a trendsetter in our industry. And yeah. then we also wanted you to touch on uh, Perry uh, Curb Masters. What is that about? <laughs> Curb Masters. Uh, so I, I've always had little businesses growing up, so I needed a car. Oh, I, I remember listening to this. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So I would paint addresses on curbs yeah. using spray paint, uh, you know, making like 30 bucks an hour when I was 15. So Yeah. So you weren't always in the lab going to work on edging and all that other stuff. You also no, had I, business that you were doing as well. I never worked in the office as a kid. So. Oh, okay. All right. Well, let's move on to the next one. Um, let's go to frame inventory assessment and plan. All right, so you have to know what you're selling. You got to know what you're paying for it. Dr. Ramsey just mentioned that. If you don't know what you're paying for stuff, um, you're not running a business. So you got to critically look at your frames as, let's say uh, you're selling a $300 frame. You know, your wholesale on that is probably $100. So you have to look at all your frames on your wall as a dollar bill, more specifically a $100 bill, and tell your staff that. These are not ornaments. It's not like Christmas tree ornaments. Every single frame sitting on your frame board is a $100 bill. And, and then now you're looking at the frame board and you're thinking, oh my gosh, that's a lot of money pent up there. So you have to know, if you have a frame sitting on your frame board for eight months, get rid of it. You know, what are you, what are you doing? Uh, you can discount it, give it to charity. I don't care, but it, it needs to go. So you have to constantly be thinking about that stuff and, and have a plan and keep opticians accountable. Don't just let... Optician's job is not just to sell glasses, it's to manage the dispensary. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Dr. Ramsey, uh, any, any information in regards to this before you head out to one of your patients? Um, as far as the, the frame inventory, I think you just have to um, not overbuy in the beginning because you can always add more frames later. When you, you put in a too big of a purchase order to, to start with a frame line that's new, um, if they're not a good seller, you're really stuck with a lot of frames. And when you have to trade them in two for one, you're losing on both ends of that deal. So I think really understanding your frame board and having a frame board plan to where if I have 24 pieces, if I sell four, when the rep comes around or you're ordering, you're only allowed to buy four. So um, I think I have to be more diligent myself with that, which I've really worked on, is that I look back and say, how many have we sold in the last 90 days? Okay, we sold 20. So then I say, okay, we're buying 20. We were like 24. Okay, if you want me to get these extra four, then you need to take these other four back. And that way you stay at your number. Because what happens with the frames is that you start at 24, you sell 10, then you buy 15. Then the next time, so with, and after a year or two, instead of having 24, you have 40 on the board and you, 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 you've, you've crushed and you've moved over into categories of other frames. So I like to, um, you know, this frame line is very colorful. This one gives me wood. This one gives me rimless. This one gives me titanium. This one gives me uh, an Italian, Japanese. Split them up, but try not to overlap. Try not to give the same type of style of frame from four different manufacturers because you can't sell it. It's the same thing, um, and there isn't a benefit. Only bring it in if you can have a differentiator from one versus the other. Yeah, and you guys, I'll tell you this. I had the opportunity to hang out with Dr. Adam Ramsey uh, at Vision Expo every year whether it's east or west, and when we're on that floor and we're talking to the frame vendors, the relationship that he has, I mean, when they see him coming, a big smile comes on their face, simply because, number one, they know he's going to spend, but number two, they know he's going to work them. Um, and just the relationship that he's developed over time and, you know, the cost of goods uh, that he gets, because I'm pretty sure his is better than a lot of other folks, um, it's just phenomenal just to see in person. So, you know, uh, you know, number three, number four, those two steps as far as lowering all costs of goods and really looking at your inventory is very key in regards to really uplifting your private practice. Right. And I, I want to touch on a, you did a previous podcast with Envision and you, you guys dropped some pearls there about catering to the, the black population. I do want to talk yeah. about that as far as frame inventory goes. Um, yeah, if you're right. a really interesting podcast, go check out uh, that one from Envision. Fascinating, and I do want to talk, do another session about yeah, that. Yeah, we'll do it, man. I'll jump on your podcast anytime, man. I know it's in the works, so let's get something over the next week. <laughs> right. Um, so catering to the black population and Asian population is low-hanging fruit. Um, we all have those populations in our communities, and, you know, the black head is a larger noggin. The no Asian doubt about it. Koreans are, are very wide. Yep. And 
if you are the only practice in town who's carrying those products, you will forever have those loyal patients. Same thing with the little old women or guys, you know, get petite frames and stock that stuff. Now you don't have to buy hundreds of them. Just have 20 in stock and that's enough. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a game changer. There's so many folks that again, when you come into a practice and you're a doctor and you prescribe from the chair and you can look at a patient, you can see they have a smaller face or a larger head. Whenever you do that doctor optical transfer, that transfer of power, you're able to educate them. Hey, you know what? I know you've had some issues with your frame because you said they bow out like this instead of sitting properly on your face. I have the perfect collection for you. Um, Have the optical team member walk them. Or if you want to go the extra mile, walk them there and start showing them some of the options as well. And it can really change the game and keep the patients loyal to your practice. Yeah. Uh, Perry, we've got another question here for you, man. Uh, Dr. Ramsey left, but I'm going to let you take this one here. What about understock? This is a big, 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 big deal. Yeah, understock, um, I would say if you know you have some top sellers uh, in, a, in a frame line, maybe keep, you know, one under the counter for it, but um, don't think too much about it. But you never want to be ordering one frame at a time because that's just $10 in shipping, boom, 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 every single day. So, yeah, if you know you have 30 frames in your practice that are just killers and selling well, go ahead, understock them. Awesome, awesome. Let's move on to the next, man. Um, let's uh, touch on number five. Develop optical executors, not opticians. You got to elaborate on this. Tell me about this. Yeah, this is kind of a confusing subject. So um, <laughs> I, I believe that opticians can really, they can add hundreds of thousands of dollars to a practice. And an optician needs to go beyond their technical skill set, which is super important. Whether you're ABO certified or not, that doesn't matter to me as long as you're, you're paying attention. So it's great that you can assemble a drill mount, but you also have to know, am I doing a good job in my sales or not? Because there's something in business called a profit, and we have to make profits to stay in business. And when opticians want raises at that, at that yearly review, you need to prove to your boss your boss may be another optician. It might be an office manager. I don't, it might be, you know, Dr. Ramsey. I would hate to do a review with him. I'd be scared. <laughs> <laughs> um, you have to execute and you have to prove to your boss that, okay, I, you know, I'm, I'm 15% up on sales this year. And, um, you know, hey, doctor, I, I sold, I, I'm saving you money on these frames. So go out there and, and, and work it. So don't be afraid. Go beyond your technical skills. If you need help on business skills, opticians, reach out to somebody. You know, my technical skills are pretty good, but someone else is better. So I reach out when I need help. That's what executing is about. Yeah. Now, what's your thoughts in regards to, you know, rewarding these optical team members, whether they're an optician or eyewear consultant, as far as uh, meeting their KPIs, um, bonus structures and things of that nature? Is bonusing good or is it not a good thing for a practice right yeah there's going to be mixed opinions on this of course in my experience i like to pay high and um that's it you know just pay the optician really well and don't worry about all the other fluff um you can always give incentives in other ways uh, such as health insurance time off things that are a little more enjoyable when you bonus 50 bucks a week or hundred bucks a week and you look at your paycheck after taxes, you're like, I don't really see the money. <laughs> Very <So>. true. Here, <laughs> That bonus was a few thousand bucks, but when you're, you don't see it biweekly. So right, I, right. pay a high fair wage, whatever you can afford. And that's one thing I tell optometrists as well. Go for the more salary instead of, you know, the percentage that you're going to get off of what you produce, because I'd rather get that guaranteed money, even though I know I'm going to hit it on all cylinders to get some additional money. But it just feels good whenever you know you have that great salary and then you have that add on on top of that as well. Yeah. Um, Tell opticians, if you're not happy with your with your job position, you know, Maybe you're, you're, you want some leadership roles, and that's something you should talk to the owner about. How can I develop more leadership? And yeah. they'll work with you. Yeah. Just to circle back, um, Dr. Brill mentioned private labeling. If you don't mind, just touch on that briefly before we move to the next step. Yeah, so this goes into cost of goods. Um, I actually just did a, a webinar about private label frames, how to buy them direct from factory. Cut out the middleman, which, um, you know, is, it's reps, it's, it's, it's marketing costs, it's a lot of stuff. And 
companies like uh, Costco and Walmart, they, they're doing private label frames. They go direct to the manufacturers and that's how they keep their costs down. So what I'm doing personally is I'm working with about uh, 40 optometrists and opticians and we're all doing a bulk purchase. We're designing the frames together. We're picking best sellers in our practices and kind of redesigning them. Maybe you're wearing a nice round frame, kind of P3-ish. So we would just redesign that frame into whatever, maybe we love blue acetates. And we're buying about 4,000 frames at a time so we can get our cost of goods down. So private label, work, you can uh, work with your best friends in optometry and optical to do that. Very nice. And blue is hot right now. It's the Pantone color of the year. So if you don't oh, have it in practice, you got to step your game up. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, like a certain shade of blue? Um, it, I can't remember the exact one, but it is a certain shade of blue. But blue is the, the main Pantone color of the year. So make sure you add that to the collection of whatever you guys have cooking up over there. Um, let's really hone in on this and touch on this topic here. Create radical and happy transparency culture. I think this is huge. Uh, because if you're not happy in your work setting, you're not going to give your best, your 100, your 200%. You're not going to help the team create, you know, a greater bottom line. And you're just going to waste space and air being in that practice and probably pull it down if the energy is not right. So let's really touch on this subject because this is something that can really make or break a practice, whether it's private, whether it's corporate, whatever it may be in general. Yes. So I, I took these concepts. Uh, they're not mine, but I adopted them to optometry and optical. Uh, it's a book by Ray Dalio. Uh, he's a billionaire. Um, he owned the investing company. And what he did is he came across an experience where he had um, someone working for him and they forgot to invest like $3 million of a, a client's money. Now that, that's a lot of money. And imagine <laughs> I forgot to invest that money. That $3 million is like $50 million now. <laughs> so, anyways, what happened was this uh, banker, investor, his boss caught it. And the employee was said, I, I messed up. I screwed up. And he told the truth. And then the, how, this is how the whole book originated. So I highly suggest that if you're um, an employee, an owner, whatever, when you make a mistake, you go out and, and you talk about it. Now, you can't just talk about it. You have to set rules for how you talk about things. Right. So maybe you have a code word. You know, it's code word blue. And that means everyone stop. We're going to talk about it unemotionally. This is just business. Uh, it's not personal. So that's what a happy, transparent culture is about. I'll get, let me give you an example. I, I believe in tattletaling in the workplace. <laughs> okay. I love it. All right, preach. Let's hear about it. <laughs> All right. So I had uh, I had an optician, and she felt like another employee was talking bad about her, and she brought it to my attention, and I, I I praised her for it. I said thank you so much. So I brought both opticians into the same room, and I let them work it out together, and I was a mediator. And when you do that, it shows that you really care. And it when those two women were sitting there side by side, both of them started crying. Oh wow! And they realized that. Feelings were hurt. And that set the tone for, hey, you know, we are two people. We're two humans. We can work together. So tattletaling is good. That's what transparency about. It's just getting through obstacles. Yeah. Awesome. Well, for those that just tuned in, uh, LinkedIn just gave us access. Um, we are talking about how you can amplify um, your, your private practice profits. I'm with Perry Brill. Um, so far, we've touched on about, what, six or seven of the different uh, steps and it's been all great content. All of this information will be available on the Defocus Media YouTube account, and then also Perry's going to repost it as well. So if you guys missed anything, you can really go back and listen later on. But we're going to continue on right now. We we're just talking about uh, the culture um, in the office, but we're going to move to the next step in regards to how we can amplify the profits. If you guys have any questions on uh, LinkedIn, feel free to post them. I have my tablet up right now where I can look over and ask these questions to Perry Brill. All right. All I'm going right. to add a thing about transparency. Um, what, you know, one thing you can do is, and this is what Ray Dalio did is he recorded every, he records every single meeting between whether it's two staff members or a hundred records it on video and audio for everyone to, to listen in later. So it really sets the culture that is it really worth being mean to somebody because the whole staff can watch that video later and, and see what happened. So think about that. Perhaps you want to record sessions. Uh, I know it's scary, 
but it keeps <laughs> it keeps things honest. Yeah, I like it. Well, we have another comment. This is good stuff, you know, uh, taking notes. So um, thank you so much for tuning in, Devin. That's Devin from Facebook. Let's move on to step number seven, office procedures perfection. I want to know more about this. All right. I love procedures. I love task lists. So are you a digital guy when it comes to your task list or a paper guy? Believe it or not, I'm a paper guy. Okay. Um, I, it, it's something about, and it's been studies showing when you cross something off, you know, you just feel better and things of that nature. Um, so when I'm in my office in my house, like now I have a notepad where I write everything down, but if I'm out in the streets or at work, then I use my, um, Apple or the iNote stuff to just, you know, document everything. And then I may transfer that over to whenever I get to the house. Right. Um, yeah, I'm a digital guy. You know what I've been doing recently? I've been using Google assistant and saying, okay. Hey, Google, well, I, my phone just, <laughs> not going to say the keyword, but tell your phone, hey, remind me about this, um, to do this task in 30 minutes. And your phone will tell you to do it. And it's quick. You're on the go. But um, I want everybody who's listening, take down this tool. I'm going to give you two. Monday.com and Asana.com. A-S-A-N-A.com. There are two tools. Um, there's free versions, but you will need to pay for them. Once you start getting your more accounts and staff onboarded, if you don't have procedures, you're not running a smooth business. So there's things in our business that we do uh, yearly, uh, quarterly, monthly, daily, hourly, whatever. Things that we do yearly are taxes. We love the IRS. <laughs> um, Open arms. <laughs> things, that, things that we may do quarterly is we might clean behind our computers at the office, you know, where it gets dusty. It's not something you're going to do every single day because it's kind of hidden. Things that you do daily are maybe you take out the trash, but you never want to be going around to people saying, hey, Tony, hey, Jill, hey, uh, Fred, did you get this stuff done? Because that's really annoying. No one wants to be pestered and you don't want to waste your time doing that. Right. Maybe you're you want to know if the bills got paid. Did did health insurance for the company get paid? Did you pay? a frame vendor on time. And you have to be able to track all these hundreds of things we do throughout every day and every year. And if you go to one of those websites, monday.com or asana.com, you can set up task lists and timers, take notes, who got it done. Maybe you're working on building a email campaign to promote blue light frames. Mm -hmm. And you wanna know, you have a process that you go through. Okay, we're gonna get the promotion ready. Then we're gonna get the graphics, the artwork, and then we're gonna send it out. There's a, a lot of steps. It's going to take, you know, maybe a, a, a week to get that done. You want to, that boss needs to know what step are you in? And they should be able to check that out from their mobile phone. Yeah. So using one of those apps I mentioned, you can set deadlines, timers, and know if it got done. And then you reward those people for keeping on time. So uh, that's what Office Procedures Perfection is about, getting stuff done on time. Yeah, I've used Asana in the past, and I really, I really enjoy that um, software. And I like that you can set up your own personal teams or different teams right. for people to do different things and stuff of that nature. There's quite a few different platforms out there. The thing with Asana was I was using that primarily for proofreading. So my wife, when I'm done, I'll send it to her. But now I just do everything on notes, so it's a little easier with the iPhone to just, yeah. you know, move around and and write anything at any given place at any given time. Yeah. But yeah, it's, you know, you definitely want to make sure that you have a powerful platform to handle any type of uh, systems and processes to make your, your practice just run a little smoother, especially on the back end as well. Yeah, I, it's all front loaded when you get into procedures uh, mm -hmm. for your office. Um, you, you write it up once and then you modify it. So maybe you have 100 tasks that you do throughout a, a month. You know, once you write the 100 things down, you're done. Right. So. Yeah. Makes life easier. Well, let's yeah. move on to the next number eight. Administrative duties, the light. Let's talk about it. All right. So uh, I'm an administrator, manager, office manager, GM, whatever you want to call it. Um, How about we call you the man? How about that? Man. Okay. And <laughs> man. You put an apostrophe after that'd be the best. <laughs> exclamation point. Man. Um, so administrative task, you know, can be can be really tough. We we spend a lot of time running around the office. And we have to make this job easy for ourselves as, you know, being the man, the woman, and making it easy um, on, on our staff members. So things like, you know, getting billing insurance companies, that's an administrative task. And 
you need to have the software in, in place to do that. At the end, you know, bosses and owners, you guys, your owner, we're responsible for bringing in the income. Another thing is a lot of bosses and, and managers, we're the IT people as well. We just get stuck with that task. Whether you're good at it or not, someone's complaining that the printer's broken and you're forced to fix it. <laughs> Do you fix the printers or who fixes the printers at your office? We actually have an IT person. And if we're not able to uh, uh, deal with it in office, we can send in a, a little report thing to someone that can fix it remotely or um, they'll educate us on how to fix it or we'll have someone actually come into the office. All right. So I don't really hey, tell you that I, stuff. I, I, I have to catch, get caught back up, man. Come on, let's go. <laughs> All right. So we're talking. To, so IT, that's an administrative duty. You can outsource that. Oh, I outsource that 100%. Super important. Why do you want to spend time figuring out why uh, your EHR is not connecting to your, your server? That's something that you should pay somebody else to do. You could see four eye exams in the time it took you to figure that out. So, yeah. I, I agree. Awesome. Well, let's go to uh, step number nine. This is a great one here. High-tech office upgrade beyond equipment. Now, I think I have two guys that's in the eye care industry that's all about high-tech equipment. So this is going to be a great conversation, great dialogue. Dr. Adam Ramsey, we missed you. Why don't you start off with this conversation here? I use the current, the OptiCam for digital measurements in the office. Um, and I think that's one area where people lack in the optical. There's a lot of offices that have OCTs and have, um, you know, IPL and have everything. And then they're using Sharpie and PD rulers. Um, I really feel like if you're going to sell a high-end free-form design that's supposed to be super minute and precise, and precise, then you need to make sure the measurements are precise too. Because if you're using a Sharpie and a PD ruler, I'm bank. You know, even though you're very good at what you do, I, I, I believe you need to continue that high-tech part of your uh, practice into the optical as well. So digital measurements, and then some people say, "Oh, it doesn't work. It doesn't work." I really feel like you 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 uh, have to give it a chance and you have to do the work to understand how the machines operate. Um, you can't just think you're going to jump on and do it right the first time. There are things like popping out the lenses to make sure you're not getting a reflection from the lenses, making sure that the chin is in the appropriate position, making sure you adjust the frame before you take the measurements. If you the if the, the frame is is wonky and then you put a progressive into it and then you adjust it back, well, you took the measurements in a, a not not appropriate. So right. that face form and all this stuff is not right. So I think a lot of a, a lot of the, the, the offices have really good uh, technology in the, in, the, in the back, but not so much in the optical itself. I, I like the OptiCam. We've had it for a number of years and there's other ones out there too. I think what's funny is some things that are really low tech or patients think are high tech. So the, op, you know, the OptiCam can take uh, four photos and you can display all four pairs of glasses on one screen. Uh, Nothing crazy new. I mean, it's just a camera, but to them, it's super high tech. Let's not underestimate what, what where the patient is because because we're used to seeing it and we're used to experiencing that. Not everywhere does that. Some offices don't have that, so they. And then think of a patient that has a minus five pair uh, prescription. When they take it off to try on the frame, they can't see what they really look like. They see what the frame is, and, they, and then when you try to do them, then you want to get really close. It's really hard for them to really appreciate what the frame is. And then, and then when you do that, the best the patient that comes back in and says, that's not the frame I picked. Because they weren't able to see really well what you picked. And like, oh, I thought it was green. Nah, it's not really green. You know, but it, it, it's because you didn't give them an appreciation. So I think um, I love that part, that feature of the OptiCam in that they can see uh, multiple frames and they can really compare the subtle differences between this frame at six hundred dollars, and this frame that's three hundred dollars. And then all of a sudden, you're like, "Oh, okay, that's why it's six hundred dollars because I can see this little bit of difference um, in the frames." And you're like, "You know what? I will buy that, and I can see the difference, and I like the detail difference or the upgrade that I get or how I feel." Like, look at I tell the patient, "Look at your face. In this frame, you were smiling. You didn't smile in this in in, in this frame. You know, this one makes you smile. When you put it on, you were smiling." <laughs> it just it looked it look kind of mundane, you know, so all, all those things go into it. But um, I think, you know, we all have the, you know, the the stuff in the back. But I think making sure that you have something in the optical to transition all the way through. They're getting a high tech exam from start to finish, not start till the optical. And then we go back to old school. Right. I, one thing um, I have two tips. 
Uh, if you don't have a, a digital measuring device, take your patient's phone, take pictures on their phone of the frames. That way, when they go home, if they decide not to buy, they have it on their, their phone. Um, one thing I do want to talk about is uh, office flow and, and what you can do. So watches, I'm not wearing my Rolex today. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I don't have one. I'm not a watch guy. But um, how do you guys know when the next patient's ready or maybe they're dilating? Do you have like flags or uh, light systems? Well, we have a light system in our office. I mean, we have eight exam lanes, but the 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 surprising story is I don't pay attention to the light system. I'm one okay. of the folks that I actually listen to everything that's moving on around me. So when I hear my technician coming out and saying, you're going to see Dr. Glover next, or I hear a door shut, or I hear certain movements, I know where to go with my flow. And then it becomes, you know, a, a second nature. You know, you just, you know when something's going to take place and how the patient flow goes for the most part. And okay. if I go too long, a team member will come and knock on the door and say, Dr. Glover, stop running your mouth. You have to go to the next patient. <laughs> <laughs> so I went to, um, at the Javits Center in uh, December before the whole COVID thing happened, I went to a conference, National Retail Federation. And I just wanted to learn what else is going on in the world of retail because we are somewhat retail focused in the industry. And I came across a company that had smartwatches. They were Android based and they're using this in department stores Let's say a woman is trying on a skirt and she's trying on size six, but she really needs, you know, size eight. So they can pay that person in that department on their phone to bring what they need with two clicks and they're not typing stuff. So I've actually been working with a company. They're out of Portugal to import them for a palm tree. So you can page people in the office. Hey, optician, uh, come to room three or tech. I need you to bring, um, you know, these, these four steps without, you know, getting out of the exam room and disrupting everything. So really cool software, uh, really cool watches, and you can actually track steps. It does a whole bunch of stuff. It's kind of big brother-ish, but. Uh, the Apple Watch or Samsung will come up shortly with uh, patient care. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> hey, let me know when they come in. I'll buy a couple. You know me. I'm ready to roll. Yeah, they're they're inexpensive too. I think you pay like two hundred per watch, and then like a small subscription, so nothing too bad. Gotcha. All right, well, let's take it on to the last one. And before we go, we have a uh, uh, someone Joyce Patton just showing some love, saying they missed the first part. That was our fault, or actually LinkedIn's fault. They didn't allow it to uh, go, but um, you will be able to catch this again on um, YouTube on a Defocus Media account, as well as uh, Entrepreneur with uh, Perry Brill's Facebook page. Uh, but let's go to the last one. Let's bring it home. Number 10, expert real-world advice from an OD in the trenches. All right. Well, uh, that's not me. It's uh, my dad, uh, Dr. Brill. He's probably listening here. I think we can learn a lot from uh, new grads and, and more senior grads. Uh, well, not grads, but, you know. <laughs> Anyways, um, so what my dad, you know, he's mastered his his platform and you can replicate things. You don't always have to think of ideas for yourself. So if someone has a successful ortho K practice or a dry eye practice or they're crushing an optical, why not save time, save 40 years time, 30 years time, have that person come in and, and tell you a few things that you can change. So you can spend your whole life trying to, uh, to figure it out yourself, but you eventually have to take advice. Um, I know Dr. Brill, my dad, he's gone through plenty of consulting programs. Uh, whether it's just going to conferences or having somebody in your office, it just takes one idea to make $50,000 extra a year. Yeah, I'm a firm believer of that. I mean, I like to learn from other people's mistakes and their experience. You know, I don't want to have to learn through it on my own wallet, my own pocket, my own money. You know, um, I, and that's why I purposely I always surround myself with great people, you know, people that I look up to that are smarter, that have more knowledge in you know certain industries or fields or things that I may not simply because I don't want to have to deal with all of that time loss when I could just learn. From I'm going to give you a, a comparison here. I like to hire good lawyers because I, I hope they save me more money than I would get build. Uh, I would get in trouble for You know what I mean? Absolutely. So Absolutely. I, I hire a company to help me with my HIPAA compliance. And the reason is it's not worth the 50, hundred million dollar fines and going to jail. So <laughs> Spend the money to get help, and it, it pays off in the long run. And, and don't be afraid. Yeah, someone might be $100 an hour, $500 an hour. Spend the money. Yeah. 
Gotcha. Well, let's, let's wrap it up, man. Before we let you go, we, we love to just get some words of wisdom from our guests that come on the show. So if you don't mind just, you know, blessing us with some information that could change our life and change our practices and really amplify our profits in our private practice, that'd be greatly appreciated. Right. My number one thing is, is uh, there's a lot of lurkers out there. Uh, if you don't know, that's internet terminology for people who they might be really brilliant people. They just stay in the background and they don't, they don't talk to anybody. So go ahead, direct message any of us on here. We'll talk to you for free. We're not going to bill you. We're not like lawyers uh, on the clock. I wish we were. <laughs> um, we're, we work better together when we can all be talking to each other often. And I'd be happy to consult with you or just throw you pearls of wisdom. Uh, my website's www.irocket.com. And adopt fast and, and fail fast and uh, take a little risk. Awesome. And if you don't mind just sharing your, your Facebook pages and your social media handles as well so folks can get in tune with you if they're not uh, well aware of all the greatness that you're creating in our industry. Right. Uh, my handle is Itrepreneur. That's where I'm most active. Uh, I'll spell it because it's way too complicated. I don't know why I chose it. E-Y-E-T-R-E-P-R-E-N-E-U-R. And uh, you'll see a lot of educational content on there. And uh, Facebook group is um, where I'd go for Itrepreneur. I'll cap. See you there. Awesome. Well, thank you guys for hanging out with me today. It's your favorite optometrist, Dr. Daryl Glover, the man that has all the answers, Dr. Adam Ramsey. <laughs> and uh, we have Perry Brill here, the founder of iRocket. want you guys to check him out. He dropped a lot of great knowledge today. And if you have any questions, as he's mentioned, reach out to him. He has a lot of great free content on his website to help get you started and getting your practice to where it needs to be. But he can take your practice to the next level. So make sure you guys check in with him. If you have any questions, email us. Have a wonderful day. This brings us to the end of another episode of Entrepreneur, the podcast for Wizards of Eyes. Go ahead and click over to our website, entrepreneur.com, or head over to Facebook to join our special Facebook group, Entrepreneur. See you there.